Hi, folks. Welcome to the Doppler Podcast, your source for news, views, and opinions from the ever-changing world of cloud computing. Our mission is simple, to help you navigate your career journey with the best advice, tips, and techniques from those who found success in the cloud-first world. This podcast is brought to you by Cloud Technology Partners, an HPE company. My name is Brad Loomis. This is Robert Christensen. Robert, been a long time, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Brad. Thank you so much for asking. That's very polite of you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're so formal here. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I, I think we're going to drift into more uh, banter here re- relatively shortly with our guests joining us today. So oh, I, I know for a fact we're going to do that. <laughs> I figured we'd start off on a high note. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, so what's new in the world of uh, cloud computing today? Well, two things, actually. You know, the first one is, is just the recognition that um, the, the, the latest wave of conversations, and I don't want to say buzzwords because that's not really right. It's, it's solutioning, is around, you know, refactoring applications before they make any kind of migration to cloud. And, you know, you know, Brad, you're, you spend a lot of time talking to vendors and, and all of the different things that we vet out in CTP to determine what, what's the best of breed that we're going to go as a practice into um, our clients to help them figure out how to get the cloud. And I, I guess I, the last, for sure this last week, but in the, the previous months, I, I, I sit with you know, multiple um, either CIOs or, or VPs of infrastructure, and they all say, well, we're going to refactor the application before we leave. And I, and I just really want to know what that means, Brad. <laughs> I, you know, I think we all do. Right? I, and, well, well, let me ask you a question. What does refactor an application mean to you, Brad? I tell you, it's... Uh... It means many things to many different people, but in my world, I look at sort of the refactor as a modification, be it minor. Uh, So in that case, that may be a end-of-life operating system uh, where I need to look and say, pull that to the latest and greatest uh, version of Windows or to the latest and greatest uh, version of RHEL that's out there. I also will look at, I typically would also call it some sort of seasoning, right? Uh, much like a chef, uh, I may change some of the ingredients behind it, right? Especially if there's an ideally loosely coupled dependencies that sit on that application. So understanding that sort of approach I would look at sort of that refactoring in a couple different ways, be it a uh, light touch or a heavy hand. Yeah. And uh, that line uh, changes and probably means different things to different people depending upon the client as well. Well, speaking of that, I I literally, before you and I and our guests are going to get on this podcast here, I was with a client that they run a, a fairly large infrastructure you know, that just in their Windows servers alone, on the Windows 2008 R2, they have a state that exceeds 5,000 servers alone, just in that one piece or across multiple data centers. And his, his take was that we're going to refactor first before we start moving anything. And so I started digging into what did that mean? And he was basically putting his applications into, they need, they, they need heart surgery, like a bypass, <laughs> okay? you know, or a platform shift such as we're going to change out the operating system. They're going to, their, their, their tactic on the, by the way, their tactic for Windows 2008 R2 end of life uh, service, service, not just R2, but uh, Windows servers is to upgrade all the people. And they figure that they'd spend much less by finally right now, 
at the very last minute upgrade the the operating systems as they as they continue to move with no intention of moving off prem because they felt that the refactoring was not significant enough to go to the cloud and when i started pulling apart what does heart surgery mean and what drives heart surgery at the end of the day if the business unit the person the team that that holds the money to do a refactor is does not see the value they're not going to do the work I don't know if you saw that either, but that was an interesting outcome to talk to them about. Yeah, it's uh, it's attaching uh, value to the motion, right? right. And, and I agree with you. If you don't see uh, the corresponding value, right, uh, maybe to, uh, let's say, and as you're an audiophile and a musician like myself, right, I may have a certain preference for these uh, one-of-a-kind speakers, but to the rank and file, it doesn't make a uh, darn bit of difference, right? So if there's not value in that sort of swap out, um, it doesn't make sense to uh, proceed uh, because at the end of the day, uh, it's, uh, you need to tie some emotion back into what we need to do. That, that's exactly right. You, you hit the nail on the head. So to that extent, yes, that's, that's what they're dealing with. And, and so the realities of today to day, how are you going to fund this? And does this bank mean have value to the company uh, trumps all things. Uh, and the second thing I wanted to bring up was um, in the cloud space. Uh, also, um, recently over the last few months is the just the, 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 the continued client, I don't want to say disdain, but distaste for a canned PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> they just kind of, and then the time it takes to set it up and everybody's plugging in the cores, they can't get the dongles right, they can't get the, I mean, it, it you know, all the time so they can present. Um, and so what happened at this particular instance was that they couldn't get the computer to work. It took like 20 minutes to get the connections and stuff like that going. And at the end of the day, we didn't so, show a single slide, not one. Yeah. We ended up having a conversation with the client. We did some whiteboarding. We, you know, went through Q&A with them and stuff like that. But the clients were absolutely, you know, in that space where they said, hey, you know, they were so encouraged by having an open conversation without some scripted thing. They were, they were happy to do it. I, I agree with you that I've actually coming off a, a speaking circuit with some of the HPE uh, Super 6 dinners that have been going on and uh, getting to speak in mass to some uh, prospective clients of HPE and us. And it's, you need to know uh, the right tool for the right job. And it also goes back to uh, being prepared as well, right? Even today, I'll poke holes at me prior to recording this great podcast that we are on today. Uh, I'd lost internet connectivity. So the backup plan no, scary, I know, I know. So the backup plan at that point is, right, let's go back to uh, an audio service, an uh, online conferencing service, and drive uh, the podcast recording this way. I was fortunate early in my career being taught the ropes of a presentation software is always have a backup mechanism, be it a whiteboard uh, that you can jump to. Uh, I've even gone, depending if it's a small audience, uh, I'll go back to maybe having uh, two or three slides printed off with me that I can talk to at any great length uh, just to, if I need a reference to drive home a point, but uh, it's having uh, some self-awareness and having some flexibility and knowing, uh, having to have, honestly, have a conversation versus a story tell with a client as well and where, and where and when that's appropriate. So true. 
So that's it for me, Brad. I didn't know if you wanted to cover anything else than this beautiful week that we have. No, I, th- I think uh, those were good, my friend. I, I, I'm just anxious to get to our guest. I've... Me too. <laughs> so uh, without fur- much further ado, um, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, one of our brothers in arms, Alexi, to the Doppler podcast. Alexi, uh, please introduce yourself and uh, tell the folks uh, what you do for us uh, with a long uh, laundry list of uh, items uh, at here at CTP, but uh, glad to have you on, my friend. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, Robert and Brad. And I'm, I'm going to continue in the same spirit of uh, politeness and professionalism. <laughs> I'd like to thank you, two distinguished gentlemen, for inviting me on your show. Really appreciate it. Just a bit of a background on me. So, Alexi Gerasimov, I run CTP's cloud delivery organization. And uh, I'd like to say that this is a group, probably arguably the most talented and capable folks who solve some of the most challenging um, cloud problems that our clients have. Uh, I've been with CTB for five plus years. I watched it grow and I've had the sort of privilege and honor to help a number of our clients get to the cloud. So got to experience firsthand the issues and challenges they have and sort of watch you watch you mature along the way and, and, and learn from those lessons and happy to share some of the things with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to it, my my friend. With that being said, um, and I know uh, you're not just a uh, people manager. You actually roll up your sleeves, get in front of some of the uh, toughest clients out there today. What sort of trends are you seeing out in that world? And we can uh, dovetail it back into some of the refactoring talk we brought at the at the head of this podcast. Would love to get your take on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by the way, thank you for the reference to the, uh, the office-based people manager, not just the people skills. Bob and Bob here, man. You got Bob and Bob? <laughs> uh, no, no, it, it, listen, uh, I wanted to actually double down a couple of things Robert said that the, the refactor said, so it ties into the macro trend. Uh, look, cloud is, we all know cloud is here and cloud has got to be here, cloud is here to stay, but some of the trends that I certainly see are changing is you know, that, that it's no longer just the journey to the cloud for the sake of the cloud. You know, five, four, you know, four or five years ago, it used to be, hey, I got to go to the cloud and ask them a question. Why? Well, it's because everybody's going right. So that sort of changed. So the trends are now uh, away from just going to the cloud per se and to look what can cloud do for me, and that's more of a realization. What value do I get out of this cloud, and uh, what? What benefit can I get? And uh, back to Robert's point about refactoring, one of the major trends I see is on the cloud now we're shifting away from this infrastructure-centric approach. Uh, like, look, let me build you some landing zone where you can put your stuff in and more to this sort of business unit application perspective. Like, look, I got an application on premise. It's value revenue generating application, but it's old, it's dated. It needs to be refactored and moved. So how can I use cloud and multi-cloud for that matter to, to get business value out of this app, whether it's better, faster, cheaper, you know, or what have you. So um, the trends sort of um, very, very big level. It's now more app-centric than infrastructure-centric. It's certainly multi-cloud. And we'll talk about it more, but you can see with the Google's latest announcement of Anthos, uh, it's yet another indication that multi-cloud is here to stay. So containers, refactor, you know, application development, it's all around that. And as always, security and paranoia is present. So uh, those are sort of the three big things we can probably focus on. Well, I take, you know, Lexi, thanks for being on, man. Uh, you and I go way back, and I consider you a good friend and, and, a, and a key colleague in this journey. When, when you When you talk to clients about 
driving real value out of that refactor, what, what are some of the legitimate things that they could do that are, that you see that most people are doing as a part of that refactor transition? Right. And, and Robert, thank you, by the way. I really appreciate it. It's always been a pleasure and honor to work uh, for you and with you. So yeah. look forward to more of that in the future. Um, Back to the value in general, look, over the years, and there's been lots of different paradigm shifts from mainframe to client server and from client server to internet, and you can argue cloud now. We've acquired a certain amount of technical debt and us being all humans and being set in the way we do things, um, we, we got this mentality that, look, stuff is working, let it be. You know, we built technology, we built products that, uh, yeah, it's sort of working and, you know, we'll fix that stuff later, but we never get to it. So over the years, we're saddled with a, with a either technical debt or process debt that we never get around to fixing until some sort of big event comes along back to the uh, mainframe to client server, client server to internet, and now the same sort of revolution or, or massive changes of, to the cloud. So to, to me, cloud is actually giving people the opportunity to not only refactor their applications in a sense Hey, you know, it's written in COBOL, let me rewrite it in Java, that, that's fine. Technology changes will be here all the time and people will invent new languages every other week. But I, I think Refactor, even more so, makes companies think about how do they operate that application and what it's comprised of and how the business actually uses it to make the most effective, uh, not just cost effective, you know, could be operational, could be legal, could be security, et cetera, user experience. Um, how do you get the most effective operations out of that app on the cloud? Because the, the, the whole concept of cloud and the way, you know, the business is done now, it allows you to rethink your approach to, you know, general customer service, to disaster recovery, to legal posture, security posture, to just, you know, application development processes, et cetera. So, Back to Brad, to your point earlier, refactor means a lot of different things to different people, 100% agree. It could be anything from, let me tweak this sort of setting in some people's mind to completely hard surgery. But the reality is people want to take this opportunity, at least when I say people want to take this opportunity to significantly improve how their IT operates and how the business units actually generate revenue more effectively. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, the whole concept of doing change while in flight, maybe years ago, it uh, may have been scary, but I think there's enough case studies, enough operational muscle memory built up, uh, in my case, enough gray hair around where uh, it's uh, it's more advantageous to start fresh, but also rethink and reimagine the way we've done things in the past and honestly take some risk in doing so, make some calculated uh, risks on uh, doing things in transition, in motion. Uh, because at the end of the day, right, if we don't uh, like change, uh, I think we're going to like uh, irrelevance a heck of a lot less. Right. And funny, so just to, to add to that, uh, you mentioned about, you know, releasing new features and making changes. Think about it. historically, you got this big monolithic app, and not that monolithic apps cannot get features faster, but by, by nature, we seem to be sold on the fact that, look, microservices and, and, and small chunks of code can be fixed, tweaked, improved, and, you know, new features release much faster. So refactoring the app not only gives you the ability to actually understand how it's written and maintain it better, but it does allow your business 
to respond to whatever external changes, uh, market changes, regulatory changes, et cetera, much more efficiently, right? Because you are now able to not have to wait for six months to release something. You can now do it, forget about a day or, you know, or 10 minutes, like some of the progressive companies, but even within you know, a couple of days or a week, that's a massive change for a lot of these companies. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think the trajectory, uh, the speed, the agility is compounding. Uh, a lot of those efforts and in, in looking at that sort of decoupling and almost breaking this back back down to almost a Ikeaization of uh, building out these applications. Did you right? call it Ikeaization? Yeah, I, I just came up with a new term. Oh, Look at that, Robert. <laughs> you gotta find it on the Google tomorrow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a new term, the Ikeaization. Yeah. <laughs> no, never awesome. a dull moment with me, my friend. Oh, no. Hey, Alexi. So, so, you know, I, I see the tendency for people to want to, to uh, you know, put more kids on the bus as they roll this particular application into a refactor and then move it to the cloud, right? So, oh, we're going to, you know, we're, we want to refactor all of the stored procedures on an Oracle platform so that we can go to some Postgres and redo all that stuff. And all by the same time, we're going to, you know, upgrade the operating system on the servers that they're going to be running on. And all by the same time, we're going to restructure our DNS at that old time. I mean, what what does that do to just the day-to-day tactics of uh, moving an application when they start adding more and more onto that stuff? Yeah, and, and good, good, good point, interesting observation. And if you look, I know your background, you obviously technologist yourself and a coder in the past. Look, we all have a tendency, and I got, by the way, I got the same computer science degree, so uh, go back to my old roots. We have a tendency to gold plate, period. We all like to write, you know, we all like to write a slightly better bubble sort than the you know, guy next to us. <laughs> or we're wanting to be just another feature. And part of it is, part of it is eternal desire to improve things, which I get. But part of it is some folks are just interested in the journey and maybe not the destination. So there, there's plenty of work left for all of us until we retire and then and, and some. But you're right. Uh, I've seen in a lot of clients uh, sometimes it's a lack of focus uh, on the end target and a goal, and, and they're not necessarily, not that they're not interested, but, you know, they're interested in getting to the goal, but as they go along, it's a almost ADD, oh, look, you have another shiny thing, and let's do this, and let's do that, and, and that paradigm is almost a symptom of the old way of redoing things of, look, if releases only happen once every year, right? Then let's get as much as we can and fit into this, whatever this package is that we're going to push out. Because if I don't do it now, I will never, you know, get it out. Now, as a company is starting to truly adopt, dare I say this word agile and, and the cloud approach that things get delivered fast. Look, you don't need to gold plate. You, you deliver what you need to deliver. There's always something to improve it and, and change. Honestly, it's never going to be the case where we all of a sudden refactored all of our applications and they're perfect and we never touch them again. Never going to happen. Um, yeah. So it's it just mental, I think. Mental uh, change, the folks need to take, look, you don't need to release everything today. You release good stuff today. You release more good stuff tomorrow. You release more good stuff day after tomorrow. So, yeah, it, that, that tendency to gold plate exists, I think, with all of us. It's just some people have more willpower than others to control it and hold itself back. I would agree there. So, hey, a pivot. Um, hey, Brad, and I think that maybe we can roll into this as a, as a conversation here. But what, what do you take about now that Outpost – Azure Stack and now Anthos are all um, 
making these, I don't want to say the boomerang, but they're pushing their particular platforms into the four walls of the data center. What, what, what do you see of that now that uh, they all have their hands in the air? Well, I, I think it's an interesting approach, and I equate it back to uh, the days of dot-com. Um, I was in a consulting company at the same time, and I remember our push was to, to help all, all of our clients, specifically brick and mortar, get to the Internet. And uh, everybody was screaming at that time, look, it's Internet or bust. You know, it's either you either go to the web you know, or you die. And then a few years later, as you guys all know, a whole bunch of dot-coms disappeared. You know, some state. And then Walgreens.com happily coexists with the Walgreens brick and mortar stores. So interesting analogy here is if you look at cloud 10 years ago, same thing. Everybody kept saying, well, we must go to the cloud. We must go to the cloud just because, right? Cloud is better. It's shiny, et cetera. Cloud is going to kill on-premise. It's going to kill data centers. You know, it's going to squash everything. And, uh, um, the, the last what, year and a half or so, maybe even less than a year ago since AWS announced, made their announcements, Azure Stack's been out for a while, but now Anthos. It's interesting to see the, not the realization, because I think it's wrong, but, but the, uh, the turnabout in, in marketing speak from the major public cloud vendors, because they're saying too, look, you must come to us and use our technologies and approach, because otherwise you're left behind. And I was saying, look, it's not about coming to us for the sake of cloud. It's about figuring out how you should run your business in the most effective way, again, cost-effective and operational effective, you know, and, and security-effective, et cetera. And uh, that's their realization that not everything will go to public cloud, not because people are nervous for security or it's not cheaper. No, it's just people might not have the value that they need uh, out of it, right, or they might not have the need. So it's interesting to see that all of them making that pivot and all of them saying, look, we know you got to keep stuff on premise. It's going to happen. So let's figure out a way how we can enable and facilitate you guys to have your stuff here with us on your data center and possibly yet another uh, cloud vendor. And all three, even more so maybe with AWS and, and certainly even more so with Google, all three saying, look, it, it, it's conceivable and more than, more than conceivable that you will have stuff in all three public clouds. We just want to make it easier for you to, you know, to use any of them. Yeah, I agree with you, Alexi, on that. And I kind of bucketize it into three sort of uh, use cases, right? There's this notion of uh, jurisdiction uh, in regards to having the app live within a uh, boundary. And that boundary could be country, it could be state, it could be whatever. But based upon that, where there's an absence of uh, public cloud, uh, that makes sense. Additionally, uh, from a uh, disconnected use model, right? We've seen a number of those start to rise up where uh, connectivity in mass to a public cloud may be spotty at best. Think a drilling platform, a, uh, a remote store location. Um, and that makes sense as well to federate uh, that access. But I think that the last one, uh, which we see a, a bit of, right, is that sort of application debt combined with data gravity combined with a, uh, a latency requirement and having to unbundle that uh, from a uh, point of view, it's going to be a multi-year process to chip away at that large rock. So instead of giving up, um, I think it makes sense, right? Uh, deploy a cloud platform right next to it so you can get as much benefit as you can. And then, then over time, uh, pick pick and choose uh, those pieces that now start to shard off and uh, be uh, more cloud-friendly as they are. Uh, Robert, do you agree? 
Absolutely. I, I think that uh, um, the reality of uh, data gravity is driving every cloud move. So if you, if you can't detach the database um, and move it to the public cloud for existing applications, at, at least a sizable one, data latency is going to kill the app. And so you can't expect to have your data and your repositories of data and your app live in two disparate systems and expect that the, the data transfer going back and forth is going to be fast enough to keep the latency not to bog you down. And then on top of that, as you have applications that are entangled with each other, that they're communicating back and forth with each other, you, you've got problems there as well. So um, Alexi's spot on, you know, it's you having those platforms near the data, that they're the data processing with inside the client's platforms is the next space. The problem I have with the hyperscalers, and Alexi, you can chime in on here, is that I think that the distance between uh, how they operate from the operational model, like Wix was talking about at the very beginning, and how they currently run their operational model are pretty far apart. And, and will they be successful? Because you, even if you've got outposts in your four walls and you decide to move applications to that, you still are participating in the AWS standardization and the consistency of their platform, which requires their operating model. Alexei, what do you think? I'm interested. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it's interesting just to see in general. So let's walk through all of them. So Azure Stack was obviously the first one uh, of that type of solution that came about, right? Microsoft said, look, we've got public cloud. Oh, you're nervous about going to our public cloud. How about we give you a baby public cloud that's going to sit in your in environment, but you guys support um, the hardware, you guys support something else. Fine. Then AWS finally a year ago decided to do the same but to your point Robert with a different spin look we'll give you a box and not only we'll give you a box it's a box as a service we'll maintain it but the reality is I'm not sure AWS actually well they certainly haven't had the experience to, to do that uh, over the period of time because they just made an announcement if time will tell how effective they are in actually having let's say you know, 100, 200 of the physical servers at a thousand different companies across the globe and how they'll actually support you know, the whole environment. Um, and then and then there's Google coming up with Anthos. It's a bit different. Uh, forget about the box, we don't need the box. We're gonna give you ability to manage your applications, containerized, which means arguably you need to refactor them, right? Back to the application development. Um, need to refactor and need to rewrite and put them on container. And we'll give you ability to manage your applications anywhere you want. You don't even need a box from us. We're just giving you this capability to pick a cloud, port your applications, write it, put it next to the data that you have, wherever that data might be. You want it to be in AWS, fine. You want it to be in Azure, okay. As long as you guys have containers and similar sort of um, uh, operating model, that's, that's good. But yeah, the operating model for the cloud vendors on-premise is yet to be yet to be really sort of a truly experienced and um, and benchmark against what is traditionally known to companies in the way they currently do business. No, that's, uh, I agree with you, Alexi. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see participate in this change again, uh, but also have purview across all these cloud providers on what's going right and what's going wrong. I want to uh, at least bring up uh, one topic uh, before we close out for today. You run a very large cloud-focused organization finding the right talent at the right time. I 
consider you almost a magician at that point. If you have folks that are ramping up uh, their cloud skills, hiring in mass, any uh, tips or tricks uh, that you've used to help our delivery organization reach quote unquote at scale that you could share with some of the listeners. Because again, at the end of the day, career wise and growing our collective capability, I think is important to our reader, our listenership out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So funny. Thank you, by the way, for the compliments. I'm not sure if I'm, a, I'm quite a magician of this. If I could be right 51%, I'll probably gamble on stock somewhere. Um, the reality is that there's so much info coming at us. Uh, and technology, look, AWS specifically changes not just daily. It seems like three times a day on our Slack channel, we get a new, you know, a new announcement that some new feature came out. So it's a little hard to keep track of, of everything. What I do recommend, though, to folks, if you're going to focus on something, pick a cloud or two, right? pick a server you want to get, get it and, and maintain it. So at least you have the, the knowledge and experience in that category. That's number one. Uh, number two, Stay on top of uh, various current developments, either via blogs or via news feeds. I personally get, I got Feedly, a little aggregator, and I set up a whole bunch of feeds on you know, cloud transformation, security, containers, big data, that type of stuff. And they're, they're every day more of, a, more of a habit in my calendar is scheduled from, uh, for an hour in the morning. I call it time to make the donuts. Uh, slot. So I try to catch up on whatever's going on in the cloud world, the technology world, and the transformation in general world. So, Pick a cloud, you can't be an expert at everything. There, there are a few people that can be, but it's physically impossible to be absolutely spectacular at everything. So pick a couple areas, be good at them, stay on top uh, of those areas. But as far as scaling and growing, what we at CTP specifically look for, and what I like in people in general, is that curiosity and that hunger, that ability to hustle and learn. Uh, you can't know everything, like I said, but if you have that, that desire to learn and keep up with stuff, if you have that curiosity, Look, I don't really care what comes up next. You might not be good at it, but you certainly got to pick it up and learn about it and uh, and scale it. So if if any sort of traits I look for uh, in, in people the most, it's the ability to to realize that things will change. I will learn. It's okay if I don't know, don't know everything. I will pick up what I need to know and you take it from there. Yeah, that's that's great, friend. And hopefully this is the first of many uh, collaborations with Robert and I. Uh, we'll have you on because I still have a, a about a sheet and a half of uh, uh, topics that uh, you and I have either passively have uh, run into together or actively saying, hey, let, let's uh, let's circle around on this one. So appreciate you uh, taking the time with us today. If folks want to connect with you online, uh, what's the best way to do so? Absolutely. And uh, Robert and Brad, thank you guys for letting me join in your IKEAization. Uh, by the <laughs> way, <laughs> really appreciate it. Yeah, if, uh, if folks want to find me, it's probably easiest on LinkedIn. I have a pretty simple handle. It's just Alexi, A-L-E-X-E-Y. I joined LinkedIn before it became LinkedIn. So I have a simple one. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. And it's a little longer, but it's super Lex G. So super L-E-X-G. Happy to connect. Oh, great as always. Robert, a man of many mediums, where can folks find you? Oh, boy. Uh, like Alexi, um, it'll be at uh, Robert Dash Christensen over at uh, LinkedIn. <clears throat> That's where you can find me over there. Um, you can also just email me at robert.christensen at hpe.com. Uh, also at uh, rbchristensen on Twitter. 
plus a whole bunch of other stuff in my personal development side of the world, right? So if you want to read my book, it's on AWS. I mean, excuse me, not AWS. It's on um, Amazon and Kindle. So I'm uh, happy to talk about it at some other point. Thanks, man. Uh, great stuff. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Folks, uh, to connect with me, feel free to go to my website, bradloomis.net, for links to all my socials. And that wraps us up. Don't forget to go to cloudtp.com for current cloud news, links to this podcast, and more ways to contact us directly. And for cloud news delivered directly to your inbox every Friday morning, visit cloudtp.com forward slash Doppler to sign up for the weekly report. And as always, take care, make it a great day. Mm -hmm.